You're listening to The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. In every episode, we will discuss the topics and trends, the issues and ideas, the challenges and opportunities facing senior business leaders today. This series is one more way we want to engage with our network of industry executives. Thanks for joining us. Hello again, everyone. You're joining us for another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm Head of Content and Research. My guest today is Michael Conley of Walters Cluther. We're going to be having a conversation about uh, integrated business planning, resiliency, and risk in the supply chain. I think this is going to be a terrific conversation. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jeff. Why don't we start off with um, integrated business planning, which I know you've been having a lot of conversations on site with supply chain executives about this. What is new in the space? I, I know it's an established thing, but we are in a different business landscape, and there's a lot of applications for IBP. Let's get into it. Absolutely. So we've had a lot of customers come by the booth and really ask about how they can get engaged and do uh, IBP. The challenge in this is always connecting finance with supply chain in a collaborative way. And historically, maybe that hasn't happened within an organization. So there's some change management, and there's a lot of transparency in the process. So the culture of the company really has to be ready for it to, to be uh, fulfilled. But there is definitely a movement within supply chain right now to talk about resiliency and risk, and IBP can be a big part of making that happen. Absolutely. So having visibility to everything that's going on in the business across many different functional areas, as well as, of course, supply chain, uh, allows people to really understand what's happening in the current environment and the changes that are coming in the business. And so with the risk and the uncertainty that we've had in our global supply chains, uh, there's a lot of cost pressure. So uh, if I can't get materials from the overseas supplier that I used to get them from, I may have to come on shore. Uh, when I go on shore, I'm probably increasing my cost. If that provider can't provide everything that my, uh, my initial supplier was, then I may end up doing two suppliers. I may have two different price points. And so there's a lot of cost pressure in the disruption and the uncertainty that's happening today. So being able to manage that risk is really important to keeping a healthy supply chain and keeping your costs in alignment. Now, if I'm a supply chain executive at an organization that maybe dabbled in IBP years ago and, and set it aside as it wasn't working for us, why is now a good time to maybe rethink that? Yeah, I think, you know, information is more readily available. There's more data to be processed. And where people used to try and do this more mechanically with uh, spreadsheets and dialogue, um, we're really trying to bring technology to that space. And so our IBP flat platform allows each functional area in the business to contribute within their uh, their screens, their environment that we set up for them, uh, but it collaboratively saves everything in a single database. So anyone that makes a change, it's trickled through the entire organization. Well, let's get into Walter's Kluwer specifically then. Like, what makes you a leader in this space? So we have a very uh, unique database that allows you to have a financial layer of information and an operational layer of information. One, of course, would be in currency units. One would be in units of production. So it allows you to quickly and easily translate between the financial side of the business and the operational side. So one of the challenges with IBP is that supply chain people speak in terms of units. How many units will I produce this week? How many units will I sell this month? where salespeople and finance typically talk just in dollars. And so they, they don't really correlate the two. And so our, our software allows for that transition so that people can look at the, at the numbers, whether in units or in dollars, or, and set their preference. Whenever we talk about a, a 
powerful new tool like this, I have to think about the people who are going to be using it. I mean, this is going to change how supply chain people are doing business. It's also going to change how they communicate with other departments within the company. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, we are trying with the software to create this collaborative environment that will cut down on the amount of communication that people need to do independently. And so in the past, when there were changes to a supply chain plan, production is going to fall short, or when there was a change to the sales plan because some new information uh, was brought to light by a salesperson out in the field, um, there, someone needed to send an email or create a meeting. And so now you can actually put that data in once you know it, and it will communicate that across for you. When we're talking about linking different departments that talk about data in different ways, I have to think, you know, no one is starting from scratch. You know, IBP is coming in on top of an existing system and legacy assets. Talk to me a little bit about making that all play nice together. Yeah, so a lot of people are trying to do this with spreadsheets. And the problem with spreadsheets is that once they leave, you know, the export from your main system, people manipulate the numbers. And so it's very easy for two different departments to obtain the same data in a spreadsheet, but then to manipulate it differently, which then drives different results, uh, which creates a lot of confusion. So having all that in a single database is really making that more efficient and making sure that that communication is inherent in the data. I also like the expression that technology doesn't replace people, it replaces tasks. This is going to free people up to do other more important work. I wonder if we could explore that a little. What is this empowering, you know, you've got the same headcount, but now you've got troubleshooters instead of data processors. That's absolutely a true statement. So um, with automation within the supply chain, particularly around supply chain planning, rather than looking at every item every day or every week and planning for that specifically and, and spending a lot of time going through thousands potentially of SKUs, um, we can set kind of a, a low and a high watermark. And if the uh, solution is coming up with a number that's outside of that tolerance range, it would highlight that to the user. And so the user doesn't need to go through each and every piece of data, but only those exceptions that fall outside of a tolerance range that they can set. I want to circle back to how this uh, impacts resiliency, which I think is something every supply chain organization came out of the pandemic saying, we need to be more agile, we need to be able to roll with the punches, we need to be able to respond to things that have changed quickly. This sounds like a powerful way of addressing some of those needs. It is, and uh, the ability to have different scenarios within this environment is one of the big features. So if we have a plan, but we know that there could be some potential disruption in that plan, we can actually create another version of that. And then as things materialize in the real world, we can determine which of those plans we want to set into place. So it's, uh, it's not like doing the same work twice, it's just making a slight modification for the potential risks that you've identified. Now, I can appreciate everyone's circumstances a little different, but let's imagine that I'm a supply chain executive who is persuaded this, this all sounds pretty good. What does getting it up and running look like? What is a realistic timeline? What should I be preparing myself for at the start of that journey? Well, that's highly dependent on the size of the company, uh, the complexity of the business, um, and what part of the business they're starting with. So if a company already has our financial planning suite of products and our corporate performance management products, then we're really just talking about adding supply chain. So there's just one component to be added. Um, in the opposite situation where they have our supply chain planning software and they need now to include finance, now we're talking about bringing in a new department that's unaware of our technology probably. Um, and so that might have a little bit of a longer lead time. And then we have a surprising number of people who are saying, I simply don't have any of the tools that I need, and I need to purchase this entire suite of products. The way you walked through some of those options, you know, my, my first thought is, 
what if I don't have the IT capacity to make this an easy thing for me? Can you sort of diffuse some of that tension? Sure. The IT part of uh, implementing our solution is actually pretty easy. We have just uh, a handful of feeds that we need to get from an ERP system to bring transactions into the planning environment so that we have a current inventory, for example. We know the orders that are already in play that are en route to you, and we can adjust the plans according to those actual numbers that come from an ERP. So that the uh, technology allows for a fairly simple uh, what we call an ETL, which is an extract, transform, and load of the data from your ERP into our solution. And once things are up and running, is the idea that I'm going to uh, develop an internal competency within my organization, or is it that we have an ongoing partnership with Walters Kluwer? How do things move forward in our partnership? So there's a big cultural change in many organizations in order to implement IBP, and it is because of that transparency. So historically, again, between finance and supply chain, there's often some, uh, you know, sandbagging, some back pocket numbering that people have in mind that they can draw out at some point in time. So if uh, sales comes to finance and says, we've got a great new customer, we really think it's going to hit the market really well, and uh, we'd like to increase our sales forecast, if that's not communicated to supply chain, then there's no confirmation that that is actually feasible and possible to produce and sell that product. So in the past, that information may not have led to a communication. And now that becomes very transparent. So as soon as we make a change to that forecast, supply chain will be notified. In the converse side of that, if supply chain is having issues, let's say that production is not running as smoothly as they want it to, or they have a labor issue, or there's a problem in the plant and the machine shuts down, something like that that's going to affect the number of units they can produce, there was probably a hesitancy in the past to call finance or to call sales and say we may not have enough product for all of our orders. So that information, again, becomes very, it's very transparent. So that information becomes available to any user of the system. So the, the transparency of this sometimes drives a little bit of consternation for people. And if their culture is not one of openness, then it is a challenge from a cultural perspective within the environment. We've covered a lot of ground here between IBP and resiliency and risk. Um, I would hate for uh, our listening audience to have maybe glossed over a couple of the key takeaways. Why don't we highlight for them what you're really hoping they took from what we've said? Sure. I think, you know, being resilient in today's uncertain environment within the supply chain, governmental risks, uh, sustainability risks, and, uh, and measurements that are going to be coming soon, uh, it's really important to have multiple plans and to be ready to essentially, you know, turn on a dime and be able to uh, bring in that alternate plan and revise what your trajectory was. The second thing is to really begin to think about automation. If you're not in a supply chain planning tool, um, you really need to get out of the spreadsheets and into a solution, and then to extend that further into the maturity to, to also include finance and to draw them in so that now you have that IBP scenario. For people who might have a few questions or want to learn more, what's the best way to get in touch? I would go to our website, walterskluwer.com. Uh, there uh, are several videos that you can watch, two-minute, three-minute, to just get a brief introduction to some of our tools and capabilities. Then there are longer uh, videos that you can watch, 20, 25, 30 minutes, which really give you an in-depth feel for uh, for that. And you can engage with us through the website, and it will actually you know, generate something that someone will return your call. What a fantastic resource. So I encourage everybody to check out that website. And I want to thank Michael again for, for joining us. I think uh, we did this uh, a year ago. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon.